Hi, I'm Melissa Nash from Checkmark Collections. I've built a business out of collecting bad debt for good companies. If you're a good company with some bad paying customers, call us. We can help you get paid. No collection, no fees. The collections business is growing fast and Checkmark is looking for new franchisees. Visit CheckmarkCollections.com to find out more about collection services and franchise opportunities. These are Brian Mudd's top three takeaways. News Radio 1290 WJNO. If Florida's feelings on bite inflation and the next phase of the Republican race, it's here. Top three takeaways on this Monday brought to you by Trajan Wealth, your local trusted financial fiduciary advisor. And my top takeaway, Floridians feel the effects. A dollar in your pocket when Joe Biden became president is only worth 82 cents today. And as we're now two and a half years into the full effects of Biden inflation, our collective frustration with it and him are real. New surveying of Floridians shows that even in a state which has been number one nationally in job growth, number one in income growth, population growth, and overall economic growth since Joe Biden became president, the effects of Biden inflation continue to take a toll on most. By a margin of 46 to 19 percent, Floridians say their families' finances are worse off than a year ago. And who do we blame? You know who. A huge 65% of Floridians say Joe Biden does not deserve to be reelected president of the United States. Now, aside from housing affordability challenges, which remain significant, it is clear who Floridians blame for the state of their personal economy entering a recession. And just imagine, we have the best economy in the country. Imagine what it's like for those who don't. The implications of that reality will loom large in next year's presidential election cycle. Speaking of which, the next phase of the Republican race. My second takeaway for you today, Francis Suarez, Will Hurd, Larry Elder, Perry Johnson. Know what they had in common? They were the first four Republican presidential candidates to drop out of the race, and they had no measurable support between them. I mean, like, literally, zero support when measured nationally. That made their exits from the race the equivalent of the analogy about a tree falling in the forest. The difference is that when former Vice President Mike Pence succumbed to reality Saturday, there was a witness to the sound his falling tree made. Actually, he had a smattering of witnesses. Was there a realistic chance Mike Pence was ever going to be the Republican nominee for president? No. Was he at least a credible candidate? Yes. And that's what's ushered in the next phase of the Republican race for president. The first credible candidate is out of it. At the time of his departure this weekend, Pence was running fifth ahead of candidates with much stronger fundraising totals and Chris Christie and Tim Scott, while averaging the support from about three and a half percent of Republican primary voters. Now, in a race in which the former and perhaps future president of the United States is showing leads of at least 30 points in every state, does it really matter? Well, outside of the conversations of political junkies, not much. Any contending candidate to Trump would still have to do what's never been done to overcome the size of his current advantage. That said, the rise is real. And this is my third takeaway for you today. The first question I was asked was, who would benefit the most from his exit? My gut instinct and immediate response was Nikki Haley. Now, no sooner... 
And I said that, then reporters began reporting it. Like this story from Politico, entitled, The Rise is Real. Haley's breakout is jolting 2024's undercard race. In the story, they state, it isn't just that Haley has navigated the past prognostications of her political death. It's that the timing of her rise, with several rivals fading, one newly out, and with increasingly urgent calls for a consolidation of the primary field, is already reshaping the GOP's long-shot undercard race to overtake Donald Trump. And while being on the exact same page with Politico had me briefly questioning my political instincts, I think that sentiment is right. As I pointed out in my weekly updates on the race for weeks, since the onset of the debates, there's been only one participating candidate who has improved their standing in the race, and that's Nikki. Momentum matters heading into elections, and with the first votes to be cast now only a little more than a couple of months away, the race for number two is on. As I said as recently as September, following the second GOP debate, the problem for all non-Trump candidates is twofold. It's not just about being the top-performing non-Trump candidate in the race. How has that worked out for DeSantis thus far? It's about being dominant enough that one is the only non-Trump candidate in the race. There's not enough oxygen or votes in the room for others. And that leads to the second and even bigger challenge. Even if there was a singular, dominant, non-Trump candidate in the race who was so impressive, all of the others folded, they would still have to convince at least 8% of Donald Trump supporters to vote for them instead. Okay, so what's changed in just over a month? Only that the task for any non-Trump candidate is even harder now as they'd have to convince over 9% of current Trump supporters that they represent the better way forward for the country. But given that the reality on the ground is that there's only room for one non-Trump candidate in this race, if, if they're going to have any realistic chance of making history, the first and most important key is being the top non-Trump candidate in the race before votes are cast in January. Nikki Haley now has a realistic chance to do just that. At the peak of his polling, Governor DeSantis held a 28-point lead over Nikki Haley. These days, DeSantis could double his support in the race and still not be at 28% in total. As of today, Haley's average deficit to DeSantis is just 4.3% a figure that's awfully close to Pence's pledge support. So should DeSantis's fledgling campaign continue to struggle and should Nikki's continue to rise, boosted by consolidating, consolidating, consolidating most of the former Pence support, she's got a realistic chance of being the top non-Trump candidate in the race by go time, which also would create a clear contrast for Republican primary voters. DeSantis's peak appeal was to present himself as Trump without the bad stuff, so to speak. Nikki's appeal has been to make an appeal as being a bit more independent from the former president, despite her having served as U.N. ambassador under him. As she said at the Republican Jewish Coalition event this weekend, the stakes couldn't be higher. And given those stakes, we cannot have four years of chaos, vendettas and drama. Eight years ago, it was good to have a leader who broke things. But now... We need a leader who also knows how to put things back together. But that message has the potential to appeal 
to the average non-Trump GOP voter, which also, in its own way, draws the contrast with DeSantis's largely Trump-light campaign. The next phase of the Republican race, it's here, and the undercard race for second place just became that much more interesting.